We're in a series called Once Upon a Time. We're actually at the end of the series. We're going to finish it up today. It is a series that is about the life of a guy named Abraham. And if you've been with us, and if you haven't, just quickly recap. God comes in, gives this guy Abraham these four promises, says, hey, I'm going to fulfill these for you. And Abraham's like, that's great. Well, I'm going to do my own thing. And there's deceptions and there's lies. And there's Abraham's taking matters into his own hands. There's impatience with God. There's doubt. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are happening in this story. But today, we're going to look at what I think is really the climax of Abraham's life. This, this moment in his life where he's got this, this faith decision to make, and I think it's a pretty big one. And so we're going to spend our time in Genesis. We've been in that the whole time through this series. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 21 just to start out today, okay? Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, it says, The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. Kara and I lived in New Jersey. It's where uh, my first ministry was, and uh, we'd been married about a year at that point. And it was um, uh, the fall, and it was going to be our, our very first small group in our apartment together. So we're kind of excited. We're getting everything together. About 20, 25 minutes for everybody's supposed to be there, and Kara's like, I got to run to the store. I was like, What? like people are coming she's like I gotta run the store I'll be right back she goes to the grocery store she's gone like 10 minutes tops comes flying in runs into the bathroom now I'm thinking she's sick right and so people are coming to our house here in the next few minutes we have to tell them they can't come you know they're gonna have to go home because uh, she's sick and I got to take care of her but she comes out of the bathroom in about a minute she's like hey can you come here for just a second and get in my mind I'm like she's sick I need to help her out I get in there and she hands me this little white wand. <laughs> and it's got these two pink lines on it. And I said, oh, what's this? And she's like, it's a pregnancy test. I was like, so what does this mean? I've never seen one before. That's why I'm asking all these questions. She's like, it means I'm pregnant. Stop for a second. Not one of my finest moments. I said, okay. Well, we've got people coming, so we need to get ready for our small group. <laughs> we can talk about this later. Yeah, I know, right? I told you it wasn't one of my finest moments. I've had a couple of those. It, here's a better, can I tell you a better story? Someone told me when they left today, the, the, the lady said, let me tell you what my husband did. I told him I was pregnant. He said, great, and he left and went to a softball game. <laughs> okay? So mine's not as bad when you look at the, what that guy did. Anyway. Um, let me just say, I apologize a little bit later. I'm like, so sorry. I didn't respond the way I should have. Should have. And here's, here was, uh, let me just be very, very honest with you. There was a part of me that was excited. There was a kind of a part of me that was disappointed. I wasn't quite ready. To, I didn't feel like to be a dad at that point. Like, we'd only been married a year. And it's like, oh my gosh, our life's getting ready to change. And then I look at Abraham and Sarah. And here they are. They've waited decades decades for the son this child to come and I think about that I was like yeah my response probably could have been better that particular evening so verse 2 the end of it this happened at just the time God has said it would we've been talking about this through this whole series right the importance of God's timing that that God's timing is more important than my time this wasn't about Abraham's time it's not about Sarah's timing it's about God's timing and so God made these promises to Abraham and Sarah and here's God beginning to fulfill those promises and so for this child to be born it had to be just an absolutely amazing amazing celebration and if you read through a little bit further into chapter 21 there you see some of that but 
I want to take us to chapter 22 because this is the climax of this whole story. Starting in, in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And just a few short words here. God says a, a lot. God knows this is Abraham and Sarah's only child. I mean, God, God's laid it all pretty thick here, right? God's like, I know you love this son. I know you love this one and only son that you have. And then God says, what I want you to do with this son that you love so much is I want you to take him to this particular place and I want you to sacrifice him there. Now, if we look at chapter 22, this really is towards the end of Abraham's life. And, and if you've been reading along with us as we've gone through the series, and I hope you've been able to do that as we've read through the, the life of, of Abraham, we know there's some really good stuff Abraham does, and there's a lot of really bad stuff that, that Abraham does, but, but it's life, right? Life is happening for Abraham, and the story of Abraham really is about his struggle with his faith in God. That, that will God do for me what God said God will do? And here we have right here in chapter 22 where God is fully testing Abraham's faith. Now understand this. This is totally out of the ordinary for God. This is something that if you read through scripture, we, we rarely see God asking something like this. I mean, God's asking something pretty crazy. It's like sacrifice your only son. But then think about the nature of what's happening here, right? We have Isaac, who's really a miracle birth. I mean, mom's 90, dad's 100. You've got this miracle child that's been promised to Abraham and, and Sarah. And here's God saying, hey, Abraham, will you now be fully obedient to me? You, you probably received news from somebody or... A request from somebody just kind of you know blew you away like you can't even believe they're asking for that or you can't believe the news that you've heard and, and, and when that happens in our life it really messes with our minds right it messes with our thoughts it messes with our, our day to day and so imagine you've been promised a child you waited 25 years from this promise to come true you've been waiting longer than that let's just let's just be honest with this decades right you, you've been waiting 100 years for a child to come and now this child finally comes and this God that you've been kind of following and trying to figure out and, and trust and have faith in says, what I want you to do now with this one kid that you have with your wife, Sarah, I want you to take this kid that you love so much and I want you to sacrifice your son. You're in Abraham's spot. I mean, how many of us would actually do what God asked Abraham to do? And, and how many of us, which I think would be most of us, how many of us would run from this? How many of us say, God, we're not taking this step no matter what? But how does Abraham respond? Verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. You ever had a big decision you've had to make or you know there's going to be one of these fierce conversations that you were going to have with someone or, or maybe a group of people there's there's this tension that you feel deep down inside right most of us don't love that and i know some wacky people who love 
<laughs> like tense conversations. Most of us, we, we don't love that. And so when those moments are coming, how do you handle that? Now, for me, if I know there's a big decision that's coming up, if I know I've got to have a pretty fierce conversation with someone, my thing is I can't sleep, right? Now, I might be able to fall asleep real quick, but if I wake up at any point in time during the night, I'm going to lay in my bed for hours, tossing, I'm going to be turning, my, my mind's going to be spinning, because all I'm thinking about is, all right, here's how this camp conversation is probably going to play out. Okay, well, that one may not work, but maybe it's going to play out this way. And it's always negative, right? We, ne we never have positive conversations in, in our mind. Or, or this decision I've got to make, here are the possible outcomes of this decision and how this is going to play out for me or play out for this group of people over the long period of time. Our anxiety kicks in in those moments in our life. And so as we look at chapter, uh, verse 3 here, it says, Abraham got up early. I find that to be a pretty interesting addition to the story. Because I don't think it's like waking up early because you're going to Disney World for the week, right? You're not going to the beach. You're not going to the mountains. You're not flying somewhere. You're not taking a vacation. Something pretty heavy is happening here with Abraham. I don't think he can sleep. I think he's tossing and turning. His anxiety is kicking in. This decision that he has to make in his life. And so he's up early because... He just can't sleep because he knows what's coming. He, he knows, the, the, again, there's a decision he has to make. And so he gets up, he gets his donkey ready, cuts some wood, he grabs the servants, grabs Isaac, and they head out to this place. God's told him to kill his son. Verse 4. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. Look at those first few words there. It says, on the third day of their journey. God didn't tell Abraham, grab Isaac right now and go sacrifice him right now. God said, Abraham, get your son and I need you to travel to this particular location and that's the place where I need you to sacrifice your son. It took them three days to get there. So again, as I like to say, put yourself in, into the story. Put yourself into Abraham's sandals here and just kind of think about Abraham. What is going on in his mind this whole time, right? Think about what he's carrying. He's not just carrying wood. He's not just carrying a knife. He's not just carrying fire. This guy's carrying an incredibly heavy burden. Now, he probably hasn't told mama, right? He hasn't told Sarah because Sarah's going to be, no, I'm going to put a, a big old no on this father-son trip that you're talking about. Now, now, if you went back and read the rest of Genesis 21, if it had been Ishmael, that might have been a different story, okay? She might have been like, sure, take that kid, no problem whatsoever. So he doesn't tell Sarah that he's taken Isaac because God has told him to kill him. He doesn't tell the servants. Of course, he doesn't tell Isaac. And so here's Abraham who's on this trip, the son, God again, who he loves, is his only son. He's, he's so important to him. And here's Abraham taking him to this place. And outwardly, he's probably like, this is a great father and son trip, right, Isaac? And inwardly, there's this intense pain, intense anguish. He's asking this question over and over in his head, I'm sure of these three days, do I follow through with this or do I not? Do I have faith in God in this, or do I make my own decision? 
Abraham is on a trip with three people. And I bet it's the loneliest he has ever been in his entire life. Now, we don't get all the insights to, to what Abraham's thinking. I mean, Scripture usually doesn't give us those kind of details. But again, if we put ourselves in here, I mean, I can only imagine what this is like for Abraham. I can only imagine how we would respond to, to this God who's asking this kind of question of us. And yet here's Abraham, who probably is hardly sleeping. Uh, my guess is his blood pressure is through the roof. He's probably not eating anything. He's probably hardly talking to any of these other three people that are on this trip with him. But he's going to follow through, or at least he's going to take these steps to follow through what God's asked of him. But notice one piece in there. He says, you guys stay here. He says, we will be right back. Now, I don't think he was saying that just to make everybody feel good. I believe that deep down inside of him, Abraham's like, okay, if God is asking me to do this, then this means I've got to put my trust and my faith in God. And if I do this, God's going God's to keep my kid alive. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how this is going to play out. But if I do this, somehow Isaac, this promised child to Sarah and I, is going to come back with me. Look at verse 9 or 6. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Here they are, they get to this place that they're told to go, and Abraham builds an altar and puts this wood on it. And Isaac's pretty perceptive, right? He's like, something's missing. Like, where's the, where's the sheep? But I love how Abraham responds. He says, God will provide. And then we come to the climax of the story. Verse 9 says, Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. We don't know how old Isaac is at this point. Uh, he's not a baby. He's able to carry this pile of wood up on this mountainside, right? Um, scholars say probably between the ages of, of 10 and, and 20 years old. But, but what we do know is that some time has, has passed. And, and so Isaac's a little bit older, maybe mid-teens. Uh, and, and so if Isaac's a little bit older, uh, Abraham has to be a little older too. But, but I, again, I, I want you to think about how this all has to play out. These two verses Abraham gets there, and, and it's like, there's, there's no sheep. Does Isaac just say, oh, sure, Dad, go ahead and tie me up and put me up there and sacrifice me? Right? We, we don't know. Um, if Abraham is, is 110, 120 years old at this point, Isaac's, you know, 10 to 20 years old, is there a fight, a wrestling match that kind of happens so that Abraham can tie him up? Maybe I've been watching too many movies. Does he take a club and club him over the head and knock him out and tie him up? I mean, like there's so many questions I have about this particular moment in the story that just kind of blows my mind. Like how as a dad could you do this? How could you take these kind of steps? But here's Abraham who's willing to be fully obedient to God. Now Isaac's probably thinking, 
what is going on with my dad? He's going crazy. And Abraham's looking at his son like, I can't believe I'm getting ready to do this. What is he thinking? Well, here's what happens in the story. Verse 11. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of a son. The last moment God intervenes and Abraham passes the test. What does God do? God provides. God gives them a ram in that moment to be able to sacrifice it. Verse 15, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba where Abraham continued to live. I love this because here's God coming back again and God's doing what God's done a few times here. God reaffirms all of these promises once more with Abraham. Gives a few more details in there too. And also notice, God swears by God's own name, right? God's like, again, I've made this covenant. I made this promise. Abraham, this all falls on me. I will make these promises come to fruition. You don't need to worry about it. If it fails, it's all on me. So then we have Abraham and Isaac. We have these two servants. They go back to their home. And I'm guessing Isaac probably had some pretty intense counseling for, for a few years. But... Um, you know, we look at the story of Abraham, we look at his life, and the question really is, what can we learn from it? And we've talked about God's timing, we've talked about impatience, we've talked about doubt, we've talked about you know, taking matters into our own hands, but, but as I, I look at the, the fullness of, of Abraham's life, I really believe it comes down to, to faith. That in the end, the story of Abraham is a story of faith. And so let me share with you a couple things I, I've learned from Abraham that help me and hopefully will help you too. First one I, I would say is that the building faith takes time, All right? Building faith takes time. I, I think sometimes when we think about faith, we think faith grows kind of at the speed of, of kudzu, okay? Kudzu is known as the vine that, that's eaten the South. That's kind of its, its uh, tagline, if you will. Um, and, and now it's kind of heading beyond that. I think it's in other places of the United States now. And I'm not sure we're going to get destroyed by an asteroid. We might get destroyed by kudzu at some point. And here's why. It grows at the speed of one foot per day. That's pretty quick. Yeah, that's a big wow. That, that is quick. I think sometimes we think that's the speed our faith should grow. We, we think our, our faith should grow at the speed of kudzu. And so here's what we do. We show up at church and, and we pray and we serve and we give a little bit. And we read scripture and we get in a group and we think within a month or two, you know what? My faith is going to be so strong. Like people are going to be coming up to me like, hey, how is your faith so strong? I mean, it's just amazing. You've got this incredible faith. How have you done that? And you're like, it just took me a month, two months. I'm here, you know. I don't believe that is the way that faith works. Because we look at Abraham 
25 years passed from the time God made this promise until this son was born. I mean, that's a, that's a long, long time. And we read our story today, and we're talking about another 10 to 20 years have passed since Isaac was born. And here's Abraham, whose, te- whose faith is still being tested. Abraham's faith didn't grow at the speed of kudzu. I think it grew at the speed of life. That it took years, it took decades for Abraham to get to this point where he could actually take this step. You and I, we, we can't expect our faith to grow at the speed of kudzu. It takes time. It, it takes years. It takes decades. I believe it takes a lifetime. And, and I know there's some of us, like, we got it all figured out. We're good to go. We get this faith thing. We're strong in my faith. And it's like, you're 25 years old. <laughs> I don't think you quite got the faith that you think you do. And then maybe there's others of us that are like, man, I, I got this faith thing figured out. You know, I'm a little bit older, but, but uh, man, I, I'm just strong in my faith. But you've actually never experienced those moments where your faith has been tested. Because if we were to look at your life, like, everything just kind of seems to fall into place for you. Because I believe not only does it take time, it takes experiences. And experiences come with time. That we have these experiences in our life to get us to this place of where we have to say, am I going to rely on me or am I going to rely on, on God? And that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen in, in a month or two. That happens over years, decades. It happens over a lifetime. For us to cultivate our faith, to grow our faith, we have to experience life. And we've got to experience those moments in life. And I know that so many of you have been there. I, my own personal experiences I, I, with Kara and our family, we've been there there's these times in your life you got to rely on God. And only then do I truly believe that our faith can grow. And so for our faith to grow, it's going to take time. But then here's the other piece I would say to this, and, and again, we, we see this in the story today, is that building faith can be lonely. Building faith can be lonely. Uh, God shares what God wants Abraham to do. And Abraham at that moment has got to decide what to do. Do, do I sacrifice my son or, or do I not? Do I put all of my faith in God or do I kind of put all my faith in, in, in me? And as we read today, we find that Abraham spends three days wrestling with God's request. Three days, three lonely days. And as I read through that, I'm thinking, you know what? Building our faith it can be a lonely journey that we find ourselves on. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's not true. That's not true. That, that's not the way this works. Well, there's a guy named Jesus, all right? And we read about him in the New Testament. You know, many of us follow Jesus. And in the book of Mark, uh, as Mark is retelling parts of Jesus' life, he, he shares this very poignant moment in Jesus' life right at the end. I mean, like Jesus is hours from being put to death. And we read this in Mark 14, 35. It says, he went on, this is Jesus. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
And if you go back and you read this, this in context, you're going to read that Jesus actually prays this prayer a, a couple of times. That, that he says this exact same prayer. I think this is a, a, a climax for, for Jesus' faith journey. Like, like this is this ultimate faith crisis that Jesus has. Because here's Jesus who's asking God, basically, God, I, I don't really want to do this. Like, I'm not real sure about this. And maybe there's some doubts happening here with Jesus. I know some people don't like to hear that, but there, there's some tension here. And, and here's Jesus who's kind of struggling through this, this moment. Do I, do I take the step of faith, God, or, or do I trust in myself? And so here's Jesus who has to make this decision. And I think in many ways Jesus felt very alone. Now he goes to the garden. He's got three of his best friends there, right? His three best friends. They're three of his disciples. They've known him throughout his ministry. In fact, they probably have known him before that. They may have gone back in their relationship way before Jesus started his ministry. So there's a connection there. And, and when we look back at them, they're sleeping, okay? Jesus is like pray, and they're sitting on the ground sleeping because they're, they're so tired. So, so they're kind of out of the picture for him. And, and then you have God. And as I read through this prayer over and over again, it almost seems like for me that, that maybe God feels a little distant for Jesus at this point. And, and so as we read about what Jesus is doing here and kind of what he's going through, I'm thinking, I bet Jesus feels lonely trying to make this decision of faith. Now, don't mishear me. I am not saying that we take our faith journey alone. And it's why we talk about so much about the importance of being in a church community. A place like this where you and I, that we are investing in the lives of others, that we're investing in someone else's faith, and they're investing in ours too. But it doesn't make any difference how many people are around us. As we go through this faith journey, in the end, like you and I individually, we may have people with us, but we've still got to make that decision. Am I going to follow where God's leading me? Or am I going to take the step that I want to take? And that could be a lonely place to be. And so I think building faith can many times be lonely. But here's the most important piece to this. And it is uh, where we, what we really see in the story of Abraham. It's what we really see in the story of Jesus. It's what we really see throughout Scripture. The real purpose of us knowing about Abraham's life partly was to know about faith that Abraham had to grow over time. It really came down to this is a story that's all about God. That no matter what, God is faithful. That God is faithful. I want you to do something for me again. Kind of put yourself into the story, but going to sound strange. It's not sacrilegious to do this. Put yourself into the place of God right now, okay? Now, thankfully, none of us are God because this world would be way, way worse than it is. But let's say we're God. Let's say that we're God and we're dealing with a guy named Abraham. My question for us would be, at what point do you and I give up on Abraham? Right? If we go back and we look at a story, we see everything that's happened, deception and lies and taking matters into his own hands and impatience and doubt Here's what I would guess. Almost every single one of us would finally get to the place of saying, Abraham's not the right guy. 
Like there's got to be somebody else out there that's better. Some, somebody who can do this. Somebody who's ready for this. Somebody who's prepared for this. I'm going to go find that person because that's the person I want to invest all my time and my effort with because they're going to trust me. They're going to follow me. How many of us would give up on a guy like Abraham? But that's the beauty of the story. God doesn't give up on Abraham. God sticks with Abraham. God fulfills those promises that God has made to Abraham. God provides for Abraham. And so when I look at the story of Abraham, it is a reminder of like my faith is going to take time for it to grow and to be where it needs to be. But no matter where my faith is, do you know that God is still faithful? So when you're struggling with doubt, know that God is faithful. When you're impatient with God because God's timing is not your timing, hey, here's the, the great thing to know, that God is faithful. When you're out there taking matters into your own hands because, again, you don't feel like God's doing what God says God's going to do, hey, guess what? God is faithful. When you're seeking guidance and wisdom and you're not following through with what you're hearing from other people because, again, you're taking matters into your own hands, remember that God is faithful. When the person you've been praying for for probably years, maybe even decades, to come to know who Jesus is, and they're still not taking that step, it's not the time for you to give up. It's time for you to remember that God is faithful. When you've been praying through sickness and praying through disease, and when you've been praying through the mental pain and anguish that you're going through, when you're looking for healing, hey, don't give up on God. Remember, God is faithful. Maybe there's a relationship that you've had that you're in the midst of, and it's broken and it's messy. It could be your marriage. It could be a family relationship you have, and you're hoping to get it mended, but it just seems like it's taking so much time. May the story of Abraham be a reminder that God is faithful. No matter what we do, no matter how we act, no matter what we say, no matter the decisions that we make in our life, no matter how much faith we lack, the story of Abraham should be a reminder to you and to me that God is faithful. That's the story of Abraham. It's about this guy who's trying to figure out his life and trying to figure out God, and his life is just like ours. But the real power behind this whole story is it's about God and the faithfulness of God. My prayer for us as we finish this series today is that we can be reminded of God's faithfulness and that we can rely on that in our lives every single day. As we come to our time of communion this morning, uh, there's another piece to the story that is just an incredible reminder of that faithfulness. God tells Abraham to go to this place called Moriah, and when they get there, this actually was a place where a lot of sacrifices happened. Animal sacrifices, I mean, in that day and time, there may have been some human sacrifices there, but, but God tells Abraham to go to that one place to do this. Travel three days to get there. We go a little bit deeper into Scripture and a little farther in history, and, and we find that Solomon builds a temple. And you know where this temple is built? It's built there on Moriah. And by the way, what happens in the temple? Animals are sacrificed. And then we go a few hundred years later, and Jesus is sacrificed. 
And you know where he sacrificed? He sacrificed right there beside Moriah. It's interesting how there's this connection to this place. And it's like God is saying, hey, I tested you, Abraham, and you passed the faith. You did what you were supposed to do. You relied on me. And then the people that were, the, the Jewish people in those days, they were sacrificing their sins there at the temple. And here's God who comes in like, hey, that promise I made, those sacrifices you've been doing, they mean nothing now. Because here's the ultimate sacrifice. And oh, by the way, I love this son. I care about this son. This is my only son too, but I'm going to follow through with this. And so there on that place, Sai Mariah, God sacrificed his son for us. We celebrate that, but more importantly, we celebrate the resurrection. And we do that every single week when we take communion together. So right now, as we take this piece of bread, may it be a reminder to us that God provides. And as we drink this juice, may it be a reminder to us that God is always faithful. God, thank you so much for this, this day, this time, each person that's here, each person who's watching online. And may God, may we invest in the story of Abraham because Abraham Sarah, they're each one of us. And as we finish this series, God, may we look back on it and be reminded that you provide and that you, God, are always faithful. We thank you for that. And God, we thank you for the blessing of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.